0: Thanks for listening to the Media People Podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to soundcloud.com slash media people podcast, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or CastBox. Views expressed by participants are personal. It's part two of our chat with Laura Gaggi, founder and CEO of Gaggi Media. In this episode, we'll learn about the growth of Gadget Media, some of Laura's ventures that didn't go as planned, and her most recent endeavor, Peloton Media.
1: I don't know if you know SDI Marketing. They're an amazing um, um, experiential marketing company, and they still actually have Gatorade and Pepsi. 25 years later. That says a lot, especially like what you mentioned boy. there. I think it's about, 30 years later now or more.
0: And that's big too because you mentioned that uh, Gatorade had been bought by Pepsi or Quaker had been bought yeah. by Pepsi. So usually when there's that consolidation at the client level, mm-hmm. it kind of puts a bit of turmoil in at the agency yeah. level because you're not sure what, where they're going to go from there. But as the agency grew and you hired more people, I imagine you relinquished a lot of those – Planning and buying duties that you had done before and at your previous gig was that hard to do? To take a step back and go, okay, we've got a new client, and I'm not going to be the one planning this, or I'm not going to be the one calling the rep saying we want X number of GRPs.
1: No, I realized I'm an incredible delegator and leader, so I wasn't. No, I no, I. That's didn't. a good no, thing. No, a lot I, of people. I, don't I never had a problem with the transition. Okay. At all? Um, no, because it's it's a very exciting. It's exciting to be. A, you know, the visionary and try to figure out where things are going. And that's sort of how, you know, I've tried a lot of things in my life here. Not, you know, it's not been only gadget. To be an entrepreneur, you have to have a lot of ideas and you have to try a lot of things and you can have a lot of failures. And I've had it. You want to hear about them? By all means, please, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I should tell you about them. <laughs> but one of the, my first, well, I did try to start, I I think, I don't know how many years ago now. Mm, I'm going to lose track of time. But I um, started a I was bored for a while because Kelly was, you know, Kelly Dutton, who's our president now, you know, she was sort of taking over the reins on the day-to-day business. And I, you know, i had been doing it for a long time you know, I've been in the business a long time, over 30 years. So I was getting a bit bored. So I decided I wanted to expand what I was doing. And I started try. I wanted to get into the creative side a little bit because... You know, the world, again, was changing. A lot of these, indiv- there were a lot of independent creative guys doing their thing and trying to control media agencies like edgy Media, and I wouldn't let them. So I changed my business model. very, And I went to, and I really built it on a client direct basis. Um, because at the time, it was not a good, there wasn't a good chemistry. Because as the business was changing, creative was losing control. Of things, but so what I did was I tried to start a boomer agency.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: a, a boomer agency. Boomer, like for bo- baby boomers. Oh, okay. So you know, I hired a president, and um, we pitched oh hundreds of pitches, hundreds. Of, we got into so many doors, and we picked up some interesting clients, even Hilton Hotels, but no one wanted to put like the 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 seven figures against. That the boomer, baby boomer business, even though we're there, over 10 million of us in in Canada. You know, clients were really afraid to go after boomers that had all the money, but they wanted to keep, you know, their, um, they wanted to keep hold of, you know, their younger target groups.
0: So they were so afraid it would age their brand? They, that's
1: right. They were afraid. You know, I remember when we went to the keg once and the keg says, yes, I love it, my target is boomers. There's no question about it, but I'd have to change my menus. I'd have to have like, I'd have to like change the print on my menus and I'd have to turn the lights up in the restaurant. And we're like, Oh, you know, it was just, it meant more than just targeting boomers. So I, um, I gave that up, you know, we, we had some successes, but it wasn't, I found that at the same time it was happening as digital was taking you know taking shape it was sort of after the first boom and bust and it was coming back so, so like the early 2000s these, after that yeah these bubble. it was yeah mid 2000s it was now it was the it was all coming back and you know so the digital age was starting and you know people weren't too interested in boomers so i either i was ahead of my time or i had, we'd missed the window i'm not sure which one it was but um so that was a failure um and then I worked with a group that I thought was brilliant out of Europe that um again, it came out of the fact that media budgets were were dropping right i mean the, gone were the days where you'd have multi million dollar t v um budgets for clients um especially with the client size the the size of clients we had here at Gedgee. We weren't doing the all the any tier one um clients necessarily. So we were seeing maybe half a million dollar budgets for TV sometimes and you could buy amazing specialty channels, right? For that, mm. You could buy an amazing campaign for that. But then we had creative partners who wanted to spend 300 grand on a TV spot. So we just couldn't rationalize 300 grand on a TV spot for a $500,000 TV media budget.
0: What were they do like so, five hundred thousand so, just on the thirty second creative just to build it
1: three hundred
0: sorry 300000 yeah
1: 000. yeah to create a TV spot yes. what did
0: they hire to be in this TV oh spot? I don't
1: I could I can't I don't want to name names I got a lot of buddies out there <laughs> okay but these are like these were our creative partners that this is what was going on two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars for to produce a TV spot and then it was you know when you had a five hundred thousand dollars budget so I I basically found a a group. Um, in Europe and with, with a guy actually here in Toronto, it was called TV low cost. And they were incredibly successful in France with low, like low cost, but high, high quality TV productions. And we weren't just quite there yet in Canada. And we, we got in to see so many clients, but they just, they just weren't getting their heads around it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, today, when you think about all the, how many people produce TV commercials and the price of, producing, you know, some spots can be pretty low. It really, it basically evolved into that. Well,
0: if you, you go know, to I'm YouTube. not
1: talking about the big Super Bowl. I'm not talking, let's not talk about the, put that the big, to the yeah, side. yeah, like that, that's, that's a, a, a whole phenomenon. Other, yeah, that's a whole other world that we don't need to talk about, right? But, you know, the majority of clients aren't spending that kind of money now on TV production, mm-hmm. in Canada specifically. specifically but that here. was a bit of a bust too. You know, I put I didn't put a lot of money into that. Proposition, but you know it was a failure.
0: But you do have one new company that's. I do. Uh, please tell us about Peloton Media. Peloton. Peloton. Media. Sorry, yeah. I'm always going to make well, that Peloton mistake. Well,
1: Peloton is um, is an independent trading desk, and it it operates um, as a programmatic um, media buying, uh, digital buying company. For um, its services, gadget clients, but it goes out and it, and more than fifty percent are are other smaller agencies or okay. direct clients, and it's incredibly successful because um, it's uh, what's what's going on right now in terms of uh, growth of digital um, media.
0: When did you realize that you had to get into that space?
1: Uh, we realized it probably. Two and a half years ago, I mean, been, programmatic's been around for a long time. But in Canada, we were, you know, Canadians were a lot more, you know, we we, we were a lot more, um, I guess, conservative on how, on new ideas.
0: It does take us for a while and to adopt so
1: stuff. And I, so I kept asking my people, when should we look at programmatic? When should we look at it? When? And it finally came to a point where it's like, you know what, it's probably safer now than than it ever was. I mean, and you know the issues with programmatic. Yeah, we don't need to okay. go into I don't want club. to go into them with you. But, you know, I mean, we're working very hard to make sure that we are watching everything that's going on. We're doing incredibly well. We're servicing clients, is, um, and we're doing incredible work.
0: There. And the name, Peloton Media.
1: Peloton. A Peloton is a... You know what it you, is now. I much? know. You told me before we started. <laughs> well, it got its name from... You're the one that's kind of tell I us. was in Italy and we got thrown off the road by a peloton, which in the Giro Italia, which was the, um, it's a road race. It's the cyclists who, who, who basically ride in a group or a pack and they try to, you know, they, um, there's no real, no one's leading the, uh, no, there, it isn't about the leader. It's about really being more efficient with your um, energy and the, and that you could be 40% more efficient with just the airflow and the drag. So we've uh, named it after a Peloton, which is, you know, with programmatic, you could be pretty efficient and, uh, you know, and you ebb and you flow and you, you win and you <laughs> lose.
0: All that because you got pushed off the road. In yeah, the because you got ago. thrown
1: off the road by a Peloton. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you could go back in time and talk to, Laura Gadgie, starting out with Gadgie Media. What advice would you give her? Is there anything you would do differently again?
1: I hate to have any regrets. Um, there would be a lot of things that I would do differently, of course. Um, but I made some pretty serious personal choices. Okay. And um, I'm not sure how much I want to get into them, but I made it as a woman. I had to make a choice I've um, about commitments on a personal level versus by business where maybe men don't have to do that as much. Mm. Um, When I think of the size of Gadgie versus the size of some of the other companies like taxi and I think media experts, I think they started before us. They're a lot bigger than Gadgie ever will be. It's mainly because of the choices that I made on a personal level, but also in how I wanted to serve as clients. Um, So, a young Laura would—I don't know if she'd be any different, but I—I—if I, I had made other choices, I'm sure I would have been a powerhouse.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How's that? Is that clear? That's
0: <laughs> That's perfect. It's your story, though. Later this month, you're going to be going off to Rome. Tell us what you're going to be doing there, apart from well, seeing I'm, the well, sights.
1: I'm going to Rome. I've already actually prejudged uh, for the um, entertainment category. Uh, so the finalists will be um, judged in Rome. I'm not, I'm not a, a, I'm not judging in Rome. I'm just, I'm going to the conference. It's the Festival of Media. So okay. um, I've uh, for many years went to Cannes, to the Cannes um, Advertising um, Agency. The con line? Cannes Cannes, yeah, Cannes. Yep. And um, I guess, sadly, um, there's not a lot about, you know, media. So I think this um this conference started because um there just is this is a really a hundred percent focus on on media. So I'm kind of excited to see what's gonna go on there, but it's gonna be, you know, about what is going on in all, all facets of, of the media business and um and seeing all the great creativity coming out of there. So I could I could tell you a little bit about what I what I saw when I judged, when I was judging. Oh, though, by all means go for um, it. Which was very exciting. One of the biggest trends that sort of became so clear to me, um, you know, and it's all about, we talk so much about content marketing, um, but was that uh, I would say almost 80% of the, of the, um, of the, campaigns that i judged had their had developed their own content uh, okay so to me that was like a humongous trend so they weren't going to existing media organizations or to existing sponsorships or opportunities they were building their own
0: kind of like a red bull they're known for that Content marketing galore. They'll make those videos that people want to watch on YouTube and share, yeah. and it's something they do in house.
1: Yeah, so like that for sure. But then, what they what what's great about when you content, like you know, this is my latest issue, is you can produce all the content you want, but if you don't amplify it, that's true. <laughs> no one's going to go specifically go and watch a, you know, a commercial about some product they could care less about unless you really make them want to go there. It's so, like what
0: you said earlier on, like, let's say they had spent, what was it? three hundred and five hundred thousand. and 500,000. Yeah. They had spent all 800,000 on that spot. Yeah. Then what?
1: That's what's it happening. just gets locked in a vault. So what was so wonderful about what I saw worldwide was that when content was produced, sure, social media and earned media happened, but it was, you know, paid media that really amplified mm-hmm. it and made the successes the one thing that was sad to me, though, was that a lot of them didn't have longevity. Like there weren't sustainable, gotcha, um, because you know for whatever reason. So that to me is an interesting thing that's going on now. Is it's like a as a hit and run. <laughs> so it, it's going to be interesting. I think you know I'm I'm going to be a strong advocate for amplifying any content that's produced, and you gotta you gotta. Still about awareness, people have to know absolutely
0: you know. The, the line I always use with people in our industry is you know that i, I don 't know what you'd call it, but when a tree falls in the woods, is anyone there if if it no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound, and people get into philosophical debates, I go, but coming from advertising and media, I say to people, no if there's no audience there's no sound, no one is paying attention
1: I know, but i you know I still struggle because we do have a lot of clients that I think what our struggle is now today is that you know. Clients' budgets have declined, and they are still producing some content and putting it up on their YouTube channel. But I,
0: it would you say they've declined, or they've fragmented so much that it dilutes each individual platform or medium?
1: No, I'm telling you from a media per, from my perspective, they have dumped some big bucks. Like they don't exist anymore. I don't think it's been put somewhere else. Mm. I'm talking, you know, I can, I I don't want to sit here and talk about my clients. No, no, here. no, you don't. So you don't have to do that. I I can't do that, but I can tell you honestly, it's it it hasn't been put somewhere else. I mean, we're talking. Remember, media is the biggest, some of the biggest chunks of the of, of the, you know, of the marketing spend. Yes. So, I'm not sure um, that this money, these multi millions of dollars, have gone somewhere else. I think they're just gone. So to me, I'm still shocked at how some clients, for so many years, can get away with this with their businesses. So I'm hoping a turnaround, you know, of some kind, has to come soon. And but uh, it's it's interesting. It's that's where we have to be visionary. And I'm I'm not sure I got the clear vision quite yet, but I'm getting a handle on it.
0: Yeah, Media is 24 years old, so you're doing something right. That's yeah. for sure. Looking back at your career, is there a particular campaign or execution that you're you're really proud of? Something that you kind of consider to be like a hero campaign or something that you put together?
1: Well, I have two. One of the, you know, the Gatorade business we had for many many years, like uh, eleven years, and um, it was really about taking experience the experiential marketing part uh, marketing part of it, and and really exploring it um, from a media perspective with. With um, with radio stations, and we we really built an incredible grassroots, um, campaign that had you know with incredible media extension for years and years and years, and it's such a long and and varied one. It was it, and we're so proud of it. You know, we built that brand in Canada. It was nothing when we started. Um, the other one, you know, and I. I. The one that I, one of them that I'm proud of, and I'm actually looking at a piece of art that inspired me is my, I love Chihuly. Actually, he's coming to the ROM in in June. But uh, first time I ever saw a Chihuly um, installation, um, I, I, we had the mini business, the BMW's Mm -hmm. mini business. And I thought, we need to do, like, we always were being thrown at, like, you have to do something innovative. It's like they never, they never left us alone about trying to be, do innovations, and so I came up with this, you know, with with, with a media company, but to do an installation for for Minnie, and we did the mini in the cage, and at the time it was it was a tough thing to do, like it was really tough. To get this mini in a cage and put it somewhere and then make it a campaign and Would you you know, have to get God, if we had had so all oh, permits. but we dealt with these media and they were like mind blowingly wonderful partners at the time but you know it was a really we got we got incredible um accolades from that and you know it was picked up in europe and i mean there's there's there that was a great story a great sort of case study of media innovation. But if we had had social media at the time, it would have been mind-blowing. Yeah, it would like, have been everywhere, that's Mind-blowing. For sure. <laughs> so, And the Gatorade business was such such an, a phenomenal business that, you know, to build a brand, to be able to take a brand and build it like that over a 10-year, whatever year period, and it just make it so grassroots that it was so ingrained.
0: They were the original sport drink yeah, before anyone exactly.
1: else. Exactly.
0: Laura, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for this. We're going to close with the last question I ask everyone. Uh, if you weren't in media, what do you think you'd be doing and why?
1: Um, if I wasn't in media, I would be an art collector. <laughs> no, I would actually – I don't know. I'd probably do something with art. I'd probably um, own an art gallery or something. Curator. Like Curator or something like that.
0: I'm okay. Sure. Laura, you so much. Or a so chef. Much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lots of things.
0: That's true. Anyways, Laura, thanks so much. This has been a fantastic chat.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
0: That's it for today's show. For more episodes, you can go to soundcloud.com slash media people podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or CastBox. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.